A special thanks goes out to the folks at Anchor.fm for bringing you this podcast. Hello again, everyone. Today, the poetry of Jim Harrison. I'm Tom Zania, and this is Tom Read Your Story. Coming to you almost live, it's time once again for Tom Read Your Story, the number one spoken word podcast on the web for audiobooks, social media posts, current events, and just plain whatever. So let's start the show. For the next half hour, I'll be your host. I'm voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. In early September comes a story of horror and haunting regret. A group of homeless men, fishing for a little fun and folly, latch on to something that might be a mermaid. Remember, regret lives on and lingers long after the last teardrop has fallen. Harry's Mermaid is written by the poetic master of modern-day horror, Steve Vernon, and narrated by Tom Zania. Rust Belt, USA, where steel is dead, hope is scarce, and hardship is a way of life. Miles Junction is but one of many northeastern Ohio towns, long forgotten and left behind, its residents living on the cusp of financial, emotional, even spiritual destitution. Taking place during the last few decades of the 20th century, in just the right light, written by William R. Solden and narrated by Tom Zania is a glimpse at one region's bleak inheritance and the precarious lives of those who remain to rummage through the fallout of its past. There's a doorway on Mars that has mankind's greatest minds perplexed. Deep beneath Mars, an ancient secret is revealed, and a team of explorers led by Forrest Judge, Deputy Commander. The doorway closes, and the team is trapped. Six mission specialists each with unique skills, each with different reasons for wanting to break free of the primordial trap. In Dinosaur Red, written by Edward J. McFadden III and narrated by Tom Zania, Judge is forced to choose between escape and changing the course of humanity. What will he do? All three of these great books are narrated by Tom Zania and are available now at audible.com. Hi, I'm Tom Zania. Thanks for joining me for the spoken word podcast, Tom Reads Your Story. I'm just taking a short break to tell you about the professional voiceover services I have to offer. If you are looking for someone to voice your audiobooks, YouTube videos, commercial or IVR projects, I hope you'll take a few minutes after the podcast to check out my website for more information. Just visit www.tomzvoices.weebly.com I can answer any questions you may have. And now, back to the podcast. And we are 
back. Welcome back, everyone. I'm glad you're here. And if you're here for the first time, that's something I haven't uh, said in a few episodes. If you're here for the first time, welcome. Thank you uh, for investigating other options in podcast listening. And, and you know, the thing of it is, every once in a great while, I'll be reading Facebook and someone will post something like, I'd really like to know about uh, any podcasts that are out there that are really good that, you know, and, and I kind of want to go into mine, but usually I just let it go and, and, and hopefully they'll hear about it or, or they'll see my, um, one of my ads in Facebook and say, Oh, I'll listen to Tom's. But the thing of it is there's so many podcasts out there that you can listen to on every subject from politics to how to, to spoken word, to this, that, and the other thing. And what I'm using, uh, you know, to, to get people to listen is just myself. It's just me saying, Hey, why don't you listen? And if I can get at least one person <laughs> to visit for the first time, it's a great thing. It means a lot. So thank you for listening today. Um, what we're going to do, this is what happened. Anyway, I, I was reading in Facebook and I, I, I've been looking for more, uh, Facebook posts to listen to, uh, to put on the podcast. And I haven't found them in a while. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that I got back into playing my audiobook stuff that I recorded. And I kind of got sidetracked in a way with that. And I haven't seen much from Facebook I wanted to post anyway. So I was reading, and my friend Rodney posted a beautiful piece of poetry by Jim Harrison. Now, I've never heard of Jim Harrison. So, I, you know, I'm sorry, I mean, if you've, people who are really into poetry. I'm sorry that I'd never heard of him before. I know there's a lot of poets out there that I probably have not heard of. But in any event, I love reading it because it would sometimes mean something to me. And it sounds good. And it's a nice little, I guess, a, an acting piece. It can be usually. And I don't always hear, a lot of times I'll, I'll look at stuff that just goes on and on and on and that I just kind of get lost in. But what Jim writes, or that I've found out so far, is stuff that's not too short, not too long, uh, that I can identify with, I can understand, I don't have to think about what in the world he's talking about. And um, this is something called Seven in the Woods, about a child in the woods, <laughs> obviously. 
And I'm going to play it for you right now. And I just really like the fact that um, Rodney posted this. It was a nice little introduction to a poet that I had never heard of, was unfamiliar with. So this is called Seven in the Woods, Jim Harrison. Seven in the Woods by Jim Harrison. Am I as old as I am? Maybe not. Time is a mystery that can tip us upside down. Yesterday, I was seven in the woods, a bandage covering my blind eye, in a bedroll mother made me, so I could sleep out in the woods, far from people. A garter snake glided by without noticing me. A chickadee landed on my bare toe. So light, she wasn't believable. The night had been long and the treetops thick with a trillion stars. Who was I, half blind on the forest floor? Who was I at age seven? Sixty-eight years later, I can still inhabit that boy's body without thinking of the time between. It is the burden of life to be many ages without seeing the end of time. Isn't that nice? I like that. I, I you know, I, I've listened to E.E. E. Cummings, and I like E.E. E. Cummings. I don't, I, but again, there's that matter of consistency where sometimes I'll, I'll get it, and sometimes I just won't. Or if it just sounds nice, you know, but this, I, uh, this I like, I mean, it's, you know, maybe it's not challenging enough to some, but, um, I liked it anyway. Uh, I'm going to read five of his poems. Well, the next recording you'll hear are five of his poems with just a tiny, tiny pause in between. I did this all in one recording. I didn't want to do five different recordings just because I just don't have that much time. I I tend to get home late. So I end up sleeping late. So I only have so much time before I have to go to work and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, um, this is Jim Harrison, five poems. And it's, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you the titles. The, the I'll be reading them you'll hear me mention the name before I start each one uh, as part of the recording. So uh, anyway, I was looking at pictures of him and he just, I don't know, he had this scruffy kind of look, you know, big thick mustache and uh, somewhat of a beard and not a beard, but uh, a big, a thick mustache, very weathered face, And if it sounds like I've included that in the reading, uh, well, I guess that's how it got in there (laughs) because that's, I guess it's just me trying to be him reading the poem. And I hope you don't mind that. And if you do mind that, well, there's not much I can do about it now (laughs) because now we're going to listen to it. Here it is, five poems, Jim Harrison. (laughs) 
From Poetry Dispatch, Jim Harrison, Five Poems. Calendars. Back in the blue chair in front of the green studio, another year has passed. Or so they say, but calendars lie. They're a kind of cosmic business machine like their cousin clocks, but break down at inopportune times. Fifty years ago, I learned to jump off the calendar, but I kept getting drawn back on for reasons of greed and my imperishable stupidity. Of late, I have escaped those fatal squares with their razor-sharp numbers for longer and longer. I had to become the moving water I already am, falling back into the human shape in order not to frighten my children grandchildren, dogs, and friends. Our old cat doesn't care. He laps up the water where my face used to be. I believe. I believe in steep drop-offs, the thunderstorm across the lake. In 1949, cold winds, empty swimming pools, the overgrown path to the creek, raw garlic, used tires, Taverns, saloons, bars, gallons of red wine, abandoned farmhouses, stunted lilac groves, gravel roads that end, brush piles, thickets, girls who haven't quite gone totally wild, river eddies, leaky wooden boats, the smell of used engine oil, turbulent rivers, lakes without cottages lost in the woods, the primrose growing out of a cow skull. The thousands of birds I've talked to all of my life. The dogs that talk back. The Chihuahuan ravens that follow me on long walks. The rattler escaping the cold hose. The fluttering unknown gods that I nearly see. From the left corner of my blind eye. Struggling to stay alive in a world that grinds them underfoot. Tomorrow. I'm hoping to be astonished tomorrow, but I don't know what. Not the usual undiscovered bird in the cold, snowy willows, garishly green and yellow, and not my usual death, which I've done before with Borodin's music, used in Kismet and Angels Singing Stranger in Paradise, that sort of thing and not the thousand naked women running a marathon in circles around me while I swivel on a writerly chair, keeping an eye on my favorites. What could it be, this astonishment, but falling into a liquid mirror to finally understand that the purpose of Earth is Earth. It's plain as night. She's willing to sleep with us a little while. Broom. To remember you're alive, visit the cemetery of your father at noon after you've made love and are still wrapped in a mammalian odor that you are forced to cherish. Under each stone is someone's inevitable surprise, the unexpected death of their biology that struggled hard as it must. Now to home without looking back. Enough is enough. En route by the best wine you can afford and a dozen stiff brooms. 
have a few swallows, then throw the furniture out the window and begin sweeping. Sweep until the walls are bare of paint and at your feet sweep until the floor disappears. Finish the wine in this field of air. Return to the cemetery in evening and wind through the stones. A slow dance of your name visible only to birds. Death again. Let's not get romantic or dismal about death. Indeed, it's our most unique act along with birth. We must think of it as cooking breakfast. It's that ordinary. Break two eggs into a bowl or break a bowl into two eggs. Slip into a coffin after the fluids have been drained or better yet, slide into the fire. Of course, it's a little hard to accept your last kiss, your last drink, your last meal about which the condemned can be quite particular as if there could be a cheeseburger sent by God. A few lovers sweep by the inner eye, but it's mostly a placid lake at dawn, mist rising, a solitary loon call, and staring into the still, opaque water. We'll know as children again all that we are destined to know, that the water is cold and deep and the sun penetrates only so far. I just stumbled on something online about Jim Harrison uh, again, I had not heard of this person, but it's it's uh, something from M Live, which I don't really read very often. But it's it's says author Jim Harrison dies while writing at his home in Arizona. I didn't know that uh, he had passed away some time ago. This was 2016, March 27th. I'm just going to read bits and pieces of it. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, renowned fiction writer, poet, and outdoorsman Jim Harrison died Saturday while writing at his home in Arizona. He was 78, uh, regarded as one of the great American novelists of the 20th century. Uh, the Michigan native was the author. That's really kind of embarrassing for me to say. <laughs> one of the great American novelists of the 20th century. And I'm like, I've never heard of the guy. <laughs> Sorry. The Michigan native was the author of more than 35 books, including Legends of the Fall and The Road Home. His most recent work was the novella collection, The Ancient Minstrel. Associated Press reported Harrison died Saturday at his home in Patagonia, Arizona. Uh, Deb Seeger, spokesman for Harrison's publisher, Grove Atlantic, told the news service that she did not know the cause of his death. Harrison's wife of more than 50 years, Linda King Harrison, died last fall. Um, Harrison was admired for his earthly and endearing depictions of the great American landscape, rural living, and the serenity of the wilderness in Michigan's Upper Peninsula and elsewhere. That I can certainly agree with, absolutely, of what little I've read of him. Uh, that was evident in his essay, My Upper Peninsula, 
which he describes as a place with little or no industry. Therefore, you could drink the water directly from Lake Superior, at least I always did, on my long beach walks. As a child living in the northern part of Lower Peninsula, he wrote, I felt cheated with a winter of light snow. Harrison was raised on a farm in Grayling, lived in Leelanau. I love that area. I've only been there a few times in Michigan, but I love that. It's very beautiful. Leelanau County and the UP until he relocated to Montana in 2004. In a career that started in the 60s, Harrison became a prolific writer who produced poetry as well as 21 works of fiction and two books of essays. Oh, wow. This is really something. Perhaps Harrison's best-known work, Legends of the Fall, was adapted to become the 1994 movie of the same name, starring Brad Pitt, Anthony Hopkins, Julia Ormond, and Aidan Quinn, a movie I definitely remember. Um, This next thing I want to play for you is called Molly, or Molly by the River. Let me check this. Hold on just a second. Uh, Molly by the River. It's a little dark, not terribly, but I mean, it. just listen to it. This is Molly by the River, Jim Harrison. Molly the Brave, Jim Harrison. Molly was the bravest. In April, she would swing out over the river on a rope, tied to an elm branch. There was still ice along the bank, and one day... Her body was found down by the weir with a bruised head, which meant she hit ice. One summer evening, she hugged me in her wet black bathing suit after I bought her a milkshake. My blood became hot and moved in all directions. When we caught frogs to eat their legs, she said, We are animals. And on the hill by the river we illegally picked Trillium. All the boys wanted to marry her. We kept putting the wildflowers she loved on her grave. More than sixty years later, I see clearly that no one gets over anything. Least of all, Molly by the river. Swinging up through the air. A bird. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, I am fighting a hay fever cold, so if I sounded a little funny today, I apologize. But uh, like I said, I hope you enjoyed it today. I love reading poetry stuff, even though sometimes I may totally misunderstand it. Uh, I hope you still liked it today. Um, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Tom Read Your Story. Portions were pre recorded. Please tell your friends if you enjoyed your visit today because we're always looking for new ones. Thanks anchor.fm for this opportunity. I greatly appreciate it till next time. Take care, everyone. Bye now. This is Tom Zania for more information on my availability for your e-learning commercial or audiobook project. Visit my website at www 
www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. We hope you visit us again real soon for another episode of Tom Reads Your Story.